Drive is Homo Feeling. I'm Matt McConkie here with Dave Holmes. Hi, y'all. Dave, How you doing, Matt? I'm good. I uh, I had acupuncture uh, just before. I had therapy and acupuncture. On the today. same day? Yeah. It's a real very Los Angeles. Day. Just you're, working from the outside in. Your friends from home will not recognize you anymore. No. Very also, good. Have you ever – are you an acupuncture person? I've never done it. What are you uh, – if, if I'm not delving too deep, what are your presenting symptoms? Well, this will surprise you. Okay. I'm going – for some anger issues. Really? I have an anger problem. Okay. Okay. As most like seemingly pleasant people do, mm-hmm. I think. How does it manifest itself? Do you go in, into rage blackouts? Uh, yeah. I go I, rants. And, okay. And um, I guess the only person who really he- – well, actually, whoever is closest by will will hear about it. Okay. So I'll get my turn at some point. I guess the telling part is that like I had one acupuncture session – talked to my boyfriend afterward and I was like, it's so weird. We were talking beforehand. It was almost like a mini therapy session and it was really like focused on anger. It was almost like he seemed to think I have an anger issue. Isn't that Mm -hmm. weird? And he was like, no, that kind of, that tracks. Yeah. So working on that. Okay. Through (laughs) acupuncture. I mean, what are the zones? Is all of this bullshit? Probably maybe. I don't know. I don't know if that's true. I'll try anything. Yeah. Talking about anything is healthy. Yeah. Talking about this with anyone really honestly is healthy. Do I believe that anger is stored in a certain part of the body or a chakra or something? No, but I'm I can be convinced. Okay. And you're acknowledging that it's there. Right? I, well and you're thinking about it and you're yeah. you're making you're making positive steps. All so I can however say is you get there is good. I feel fucking great afterward. Great. I they call it AccuStoned. So I'm really? under the influence right now, essentially. As That's we fantastic. Yeah. That's fantastic. You do have a spring in your step. The, between that and cold brew, I'm doing great. But we also okay. did cupping. So I have uh, some oh, giant, um, you know, uh, welts on my back. Jesus, you as did it all today. As popularized by Gwyneth Paltrow. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So wait, what are your feelings on Gwyneth Paltrow? I know I know your feelings about Jennifer Aniston. Uh, I feel nothing. I mean, I, I, I do own the cookbook, It's All Good, which was uh, given to me ironically, but turned out to be a pretty good – I I I I can't say it's a good cookbook, but I've I've made two muffin recipes uh-huh. from it, and uh, oh, I made them for Dana, I think, before. And um, I was there when you uh, when you dropped them off. In fact, great. made a batch of Gwyneth sweet potato muffins, and they were bad. Oh, really? Okay, is that a good story? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Dave, well, I don't know. That might uh, that might not make it. I don't know. <laughs> so where do they jab you? Where do they stick you for anger? Uh, in I guess in the back, and uh, then there's like. Two points in your calves, and you, I never know like what exactly the formula is that I'm getting. By the way, mm-hmm. I've only done this a th- like three times. I'm talking about it like I have a long history of acupuncture. Yeah. But you're getting some in the calves. You're getting some in the all the pressure points. Sure, you know, yeah. one in the top of the head. Ooh, does that hurt? No, none of it. Hurts. Only one. One has hurt the pressure point in the like uh, the the meat of your hand. I don't know what that's called. I've thought about doing that. I haven't done it. What I have done uh, long ago was a colonic. And I don't want to get Whoa. too deeply into it, except to say this: <laughs> the uh, there there was a colonic place near my house in Studio City, and I was like, you know what, I I'm gonna give it a try. I'm feeling, you know, I was just feeling like yeah. I could release some things, I guess. So you go, and they put a hose in your ass, and like you know, shoot water. Yeah. And, uh, and so my technician or colonicist or mm-hmm. whatever, her name was Annabelle, and uh, and she told me her full story as she was sticking a hose in my ass and like rubbing my stomach. Uh, she was deeply into crystal meth for many years. She beat it through repeated colonics. She beat addiction through colonics. And so because of that, she wants to like 
you know, share that with the world, share it with the world. Wow. So, so I was like, okay, that's interesting. You know, and it was like, I was happy that she revealed something because I felt kind of vulnerable because I had a hose up my butt. Yeah. And I, so you, you are release. you're pushing things out while you get your stomach massaged uh-huh. and what you're pushing out goes out and then through a tube, like a uh-huh. clear tube, at least at this one, that's like, you can't see it, but they can. And so we're making very awkward chit chat because Oof. it's a, a strange situation. And she's just watching everything go by. And while she's telling the story and watching things go by, she goes, I'm sorry, I'm such a voyeur. Oh. Like that was her thing. And I was like, okay, this, this is very, I don't know how I feel about this or if I'll ever do it again. And I never did it again. Can so I that's a uh, story about uh, my colon. What kind of sounds are happening? Really not many. No. no. Like the hose is kind of a good white noise. Oh, great. Kind of a thing. And Yeah. So you don't have to worry about making too much right. noise. Maybe I'll try that next. Give it a whirl. Um, I'll do acupuncture. What What are you obsessed with this week? What's um, on your – Let's spirit? see. What am, I, what am I watching? What am I listening to? Okay. I, I have a new person that I'm following on Twitter who I'm mm-hmm. completely obsessed with. Her name is Lisa D. Lisa D. from Lisa CT. D. Okay, she's from Connecticut. Mm-hmm. She's uh, okay. It's it's at Lisa Don D O N N two number two, and uh, okay, humor heals. So laugh often. That's her. That's her credo. Oh, um, she was inspired by the deaths of her father and her brother three days apart to follow her dream of comedy. So she makes daily videos, which she calls her minute to spit it. Her minute to spit it. So that's spit almost it or spin it. To spit it. That's for the the first few videos I thought, is it her minute to spin it? Uh-huh. It's not. Neither it's one minute. makes a ton of sense. But no. Yeah. It's her minute to spit it. And she talks about stuff that's going on in the news. And she makes like puddle deep observations about things. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And like <laughs> things that it's like, you're like, that's, I recognize that that's a joke. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's not there. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, she's so completely positive and like really on, like there's something weirdly maternal and kind of nurturing about mm-hmm. her. Uh, she's She knows her angles really well. Uh, she's like, she's got like little readers that she wears way down on the nose. And she'll just be like, uh, like, hey, everybody, uh, Beyonce went roller skating. <laughs> she just had twins. And it's and like and that's it. That's the whole. That's the whole. Yeah, that's that's how she uh, spat it, and wow. uh, and she does like many many a day. And there's just something I don't know. Like I'm I'm completely fascinated by by Lisa D from CT with her minute to spit it. How do you discover a Lisa D on? Uh, somebody that I'm following retweeted her and is probably following her for the same reason. Wow. And it was just love at first sight. I'm really really into her. And the thing is, I don't like. I don't want to bring her negative attention. I don't want people to fault to like hate follow her mm-hmm. or, or to make fun of her in any way because again, she really does put positive things out there, and I yeah. think that should be encouraged. But um, she's finding her uh, she's finding her comedic voice, and I'm and I'm glad that I'm there for the journey. You're really there. I really right. am, guys. Let's get to our guest. We'll take a quick break. <laughs> Matt, I am so excited. One of my all-time favorite podcasts is now on Earwolf. Throwing shade. Throwing shade. Oh, my God. It's so 
funny. It's one that I truly never miss. It always makes me laugh. I mean, it's Aaron Gibson. It's Brian Safi. It's Brian Safi, friend of the show. Friend of the show. Uh, you've seen him on Funny or Die. You've seen him on, uh, on the stages of UCB, the both of them. Uh, they're just both comedy geniuses, and they 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 bring stories of interest uh, to uh, to women and to yeah. the LGBT community and to the world at large. They, uh, they, they pull out some stories that you haven't heard about a million times before, and they give you their opinions, and they give them to you loudly and in a way that's hilarious. Hard, hard and wet and firm. Hard, firm, wet. And if you're listening to this show and you're not listening to Throwing Shade, I don't know what the fuck you're doing. Yeah, you're doing everything backwards. They've been in the the queer podcast game long before we were. Yeah. They're tackling politics. Yep. They're tackling social issues. They're tackling popular culture. They're, they're, they're tackling it all. They're just tackling. Speaking of tackling, yeah. their th- 300th episode featured Kimmy Gatewood and Rebecca Johnson from Glow. Oh, that's where the wrestling women tackle each other. They tackle each other. I get it. They also just had uh, Jessica Chaffin from uh, Ron and Beverly. I'd like to tackle her because I love her Oh, so tackle her with love. Also Morgan Walsh, Paula yes. Tompkins, Kurt Brownoler. We're going to make an appearance soon. Yeah. I've been on a couple times before. It is it is the most fun. Uh, I just totally love it. And now it's here on Earwolf. Uh, subscribe to Throwing Shade in Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or wherever you listen to podcasts. New Episodes every Thursday of Throwing Shade, y'all. Hey, welcome back to Homophilia, ladies and gentlemen. We have a very special guest. He is a writer. Oh my God, he is a uh, he's a comedian. His album Effable is fucking hilarious. Yeah. It's on iTunes. His uh, talk show, The Game Show, is a live event and a true TV TV show that is absolutely hilarious. His name is Guy Branham. Good to be here. Guy, Guy, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Matt, I need to know, what are your feelings about Jennifer Aniston? Oh, my like God. Like, you said that earlier, and I heard, and I was just, what are your feelings? I'm trying to I'm trying to talk about her less on this show. I feel like I've beat it to death, but— Well, we're going to have to make a regular Aniston corner segment. <laughs> yeah, I— I don't know. I guess if it's it's kind of my only identifiable characteristic is I'm a big Jennifer Aniston fan. And I don't know where the line is between like ironic and real and where like that was blurred so long ago. I believe the greatest story that has been told in American media over the course of the past 20 years is Jennifer Aniston will never be happy. And I miss its golden age of she wants children, but she can't have them. She wants to get married, but nobody wants to marry her. It like it really is like an epic, epic story that has been told in our supermarket aisles. And yeah, I over just the of decades. I love that she is our social wily coyote. <laughs> um, and so I apologize if this is offensive to your sensibilities. Not at I will all. leave if necessary. <laughs> no, please. But don't you feel like that story in a way has had a happy ending with her marriage to Justin Theroux? Wait. Oh, oh guy, don't this is, do that. This to is us, the guy. thing that keeps me awake at night. <laughs> don't do that These to us. The man has a tattoo of a caricature of a Native American on his abs. It's not gonna <laughs> that that's not how forever happens. <laughs> He made some difficult. He made some uncomfortable choices early in life. <laughs> let's not let's not so judge what? him forever. Yeah, he's he, he. That was probably on like an ayahuasca journey. Yeah, somewhere that he got that done. Guy, you said something explosive before we started recording, which is that I was saying how I've never seen Game of Thrones. It's probably too late for me to jump in. And then you said that you did what? I watched thirty four seasons of Survivor over the course of around two and a half months. How uh, and why? 
uh, I was on hiatus and I was supposed to be writing a book. Uh-huh. I was doing a lot of things to try to avoid writing a book. And I had watched all of the things that I wanted to watch. And Hulu is a beautiful source for American culture. We've yeah. all gone there for, you know, some Mary Tyler Moore's, like, you know, various things. Uh, and I was just like, you know, I never watched, like, for when I was working at Chelsea lately, we, like, were given responsibility for reality shows. So I had watched, like, Survivor Gabon and, like, one other. And I, I was like, well, that's a good show. Um, but I was like, you know, guy, you never saw that first season of Survivor why don't you watch that first season of Survivor? And then that turned into watching all like 20 or so seasons that they have on Hulu Uh and then getting the CBS app and saying, well, Branham, you just got to take all of them down now. This is a staggering accomplishment. Yeah, I really did waste a significant chunk of my life. Were there days where you just woke up and jumped in and no I mean I have responsibilities I have multiple jobs of Matt course, I have a lot of things going on but look I took it seriously okay yeah. like I was I was doing this was one of your jobs and, essentially and, an important thing to understand about me is the entire time that I am watching these seasons of Survivor I'm going online and spoiling them for myself uh-huh. during the course of it so, so you're like just savoring the I, just the, the direction yes because I am not somebody for whom knowing that like Earl is going to win Fiji that doesn't ruin Fiji for me, okay? Uh-huh, uh-huh. I want to watch see the moments. I need to watch these people work against each other and calculate. And after I was finished, I have to tell you, I did kind of go and start my favorite season, Cook Islands, over okay. again. Okay. <laughs> I've never seen that show in my life. You've never seen Survivor? No, I never have. I've tried a couple times, a, a few minutes at a time, and I just it doesn't grab me. Which is interesting, Dave, because if you had told me before watching all of these episodes that you had been one of the like celebrities who they bring on mm-hmm. as like a just another person, a Lisa Welchel, if you oh, will, wow. uh, I would have been like, yeah, that scans. I'm yeah. sure Dave was really good at that. Oh wow, yeah, no, no interest, no thanks. Yeah, maybe you're afraid because if you jumped in, then it'd be you'd be you know watching all 34 seasons in two and a half months. Dave, yeah, I don't think so. You would be amazing at it. Do you, you think? Yes. Uh, I'm not you, very smart. I'm uh, really not. That's yes, not you true. are. Okay. Not. You have all of the calculating gay man skills of identifying all of the things that are going on. That's you have true. all of the Midwestern gay man skills of letting none of that come through on your face. It's also uh, true. And you do have like the uh, that little thread of cold cruelty that uh-huh. I think that would allow you to like do the shit that needed to be done. You are 100 percent right. Without so there far. being visible blood on your hands. Interesting. Wow. Okay. Wow. I just got red there, and I appreciate it. I'm still not going to do it. That was a great compliment. Uh, well, it thanks. really no. was. Yeah. It was but a your, gen- up your gentleman Ben would be terrible, though. He probably would not do well. Yeah. He's uh, yeah. He he uh, he's got a hot head on him. I happened to jump in. I happened to see one episode this season. Maybe the only episode I've ever seen, which was the one where the trans guy was outed by the gay guy. Yes, Zeke got outed Zeke got by outed. Varner. Varner and but and and outed to the audience at the same time, right? We, we the audience didn't know this until no. And it was what was kind of wonderful about it is Zeke had had an entire season of Gen X versus Millennials, where he was just sort of like squirrely Brooklyn guy, and yeah. and that was that. And so it was sort of cool that after like a season and a half of television. It was terrible that the, that he got outed, but it was kind of nice that all of these Midwestern people had to understand that this person who they had come to know as a man, yeah. like because so frequently scripted television has told people that 
like trans people are a man in a dress or whatever, mm-hmm. like having to deal with the actual like functional fact of a trans person, I, I thought was really cool. And, and Zeke was really cool about handling it. What was terrible is that the person who did it was like a guy who had been on one of the early seasons and then come out of the closet as an adult in between. So it was one of those Shonda Fertigoyam, gay guy, why do you have to be hating on the trans person right here? Uh, You're making all of us look bad. uh, Do we know what has happened to that gay guy since? I mean, He lost his job over it, didn't he? I don't know. He did. Also, I think, got a book deal. Don't they all? Yes. Yes, they all. When's the Guy Branham book coming out, by the way? Oh, I mean, it's supposed to be June of 2018, but let's see how that goes. Yeah. (laughs) Have you had to turn in a draft yet? Uh, No. It is due on September 15th. How are we doing? You've got time. Uh Okay-ish. Yes. Here's my advice. Um, Be comfortable with turning in a terrible first draft. Okay. Just Mm. get it done. Yeah. Just get it done. Just, like, get through it. Yeah. And then you'll have some time to, like, prune it and whatever. But, like, don't be afraid. Your editor, you're not going to lose your deal. Your editor is not going to, like, turn you away. Just turn something in, and then you can start pruning away. That is very lovely coming from someone who wrote a very lovely book. Thank you. Thank you very much. That's great. My first draft was abysmal. And I knew it. But it was like I had to get it in. I just had to get it in. And then then you got something to work with. Like, now you just have a lot of question marks and blank pages. The thing is, like— it's, I always write better when I have a boss who's telling – who yes. will look askance at Everybody me if it's does. not in. Everybody you know? does. Yeah. God, I can procrastinate with the best of them. Guy, what are you – I mean aside from Survivor. Yeah, Survivor's keeping you awfully you, busy. What uh, are obsessed with pop culture-wise these days? Currently, you mean. Currently, yeah. We're right. watching, listening to. Um, last night, uh, I watched um, – the first three episodes of, of difficult people. And it is hard living in our world of like, like we don't know what sitcoms are right now. And there are so many sad sitcoms and there are so many sitcoms that are funny, but don't have writing staffs that are large enough to be like funny in the way of you were talking about watching mods. I like two years ago, watched the first season of mod and like, that show like there's this episode in the first season of mod where Florida gives a full on like the premise is what's Florida's husband's name don't know Florida's husband is like I'm making James 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 is like I'm making more money now you don't have to be a maid anymore and this is like hard for her because she is invested in her professional life Uh and like there's this moment where he talks about the burden of have of like black men not being able to provide for their families in the way that, that white men could and, and sort of the psychological toll of that. And it's like a two minute long monologue on a fucking multicam sitcom. And then she responds with this speech about the place of domestic work in like the, the history of black women in America, giving them sort of like power and like independence and it's amazing, and it was written by a room of old Jews, you have to assume. Yeah. And it's like, how did we make these things? The point is, uh, Difficult People is really funny. Okay, <laughs> um, okay. good. Uh, I've been watching a lot of Difficult People, uh-huh. and then um, I got uh, a PlayStation so that I could watch Blu-rays because I was not able to watch the things that you can't get. It's hard now. We've gotten so used to streaming, and streaming is so nice and easy. Yeah. Um, but I watched the man. I watched the 1962, the man who shot Liberty Valance film <laughs> recently. It was very interesting, and I'm also watching Big Brother right now. Okay, which of these would you like to discuss? Oh God, I would just like to keep going on Mod forever. <laughs> I, I miss I miss a sitcom with a with a monologue. Yeah, I miss yeah. a designing women. You know, I, uh, I would like I would what, like a Dixie Carter back in our life. What's amazing about 
like uh, designing women that you don't even realize uh-huh. is the night the uh, lights went out in Georgia's Beach is the second episode. Are you serious? Yes. You're like, it can't possibly be true. I could be wrong about this, but it is in the first half of the first season. Yeah. And this thing that is like the iconic moment of what that show is supposed to be, like came that early is kind of ridiculous Can and amazing. Can you give us a refresher on the on this speech? I'm vaguely familiar. Mm-hmm. Okay. Can you deliver this speech from start to finish? Please. Suzanne Sugarbaker is a former Miss Georgia, and there's going to be some sort of thing for all of the former Miss Georgias. And they go, and one of the more recent Miss Georgias is talking shit about Suzanne Sugarbaker because she is fat now. And she, like, shades Suzanne, and she leaves. And then Julia pulls her aside and lets her know, like basically gives a very vivid description of her sister's fire baton routine and Uh her throwing it so high and so fast that it hits the transformer, the lights go out, and it falls into her hand. Everybody, like 15 minutes of applause. Um, And that, Mary Sue, so you know and your children will know is the night the lights went out in Georgia. (laughs) It's amazing. Incredible. And like Uh. utterly overwritten and not at all like anything that any one would do and and perfect for that reason and that level of heightened is something we could get away with when we were on a stage but mm-hmm. i feel like in a world of single cams yeah nobody's allowed to do that we get there a little bit with this is us they, there are some there's some speechifying there's in that a show a lot of monologues in that a lot show. of monologues in that show i so many people i know really love that show uh, it is very hard for me because they're very proud of themselves for having a fat American actor on it. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, and I watched the first episode and her identity was that she was fat. That's, that's her storyline literally Her journey is that she wanted to not be fat. Mm-hmm. And everyone was able to know that she was a noble person because she wished she were no longer fat and was doing things to do that. Uh-huh. And people have told me that it is better than that. But as a fat American myself, um, I find that extremely reductive and dismissive. Yeah, it's condescending. It's yeah, tough. Because sure. then, but she she does have a love life, but even then the storyline is that she the, the guy is fat and that they meet yeah. uh, at a... And like she goes a, to fat it, camp and then he starts to lose weight and she doesn't. It's yeah. literally all about being fat. That's You're not her, wrong. Literally her entire character. Yeah, but it's it's no. it's truly cry porn. You got me into it. I it yeah, oh, did I? Yeah. Oh God, I'm sorry about that. Yeah, it's, I don't know, there, it's, it, it's emotional. And it's it's you know manipulative, but I don't mind that. I, I find I find it very very sweet and honest. And doesn't Chrissy Metz hasn't she said in the press that she plans to lose weight along with her character I or think something? So. Yeah, I think I don't know. I think so. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah, yeah. I, I I mean you're right. It, it's why isn't that character someone who just happens to be fat and is you know a multi-dimensional right. human being? Right. Because we don't make those. Um, like when they were doing. Uh, hairspray at NBC and I work on the Mindy Project which like we write on the NBC lot I sort of like was thinking about it and realized like Tracy Turnblad is a noteworthy character for being a fat person who's good at something Uh you know Uh like that isn't something we see a whole lot of no no. Yeah. Yeah, and it and it's not it's not her entire story. No. And like it's not her it mother's is, entire story. Like and there there's something so John Waters about the fact that he like these things that he adds together of like her fatness and her implicit Jewishness and like um the like the agoraphobia, which isn't in the movie but is in the the stage play that just sort of like 
What a weird thing for a movie that is about segregation, but isn't about segregation. It's like, it's about queerness. We're just putting all of these weirdnesses in a place Uh so we can talk about queerness in some way. Yeah. It's, I don't remember the agoraphobia from the movie. The agoraphobia is not in the movie. In it's the, in the stage in musical? The, in the play, Edna Turnblatt has not left the house in like 20 years, oh, which right. I actually think is brilliant. So it's not in the original John Waters movie? No, no. Oh. Huh. Wow. That's are you a musical theater head? I mean, to the extent... Where are you from, Matt? Ohio. Okay. So I am from the West Coast and was raised relatively poor. So for us, you could only really interact with musicals through like cast albums and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I like it to some extent, but I'm not, you know, a couple of times I've had jobs in New York and there's that thing where they just assume, well, he's a faggot. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm going to make a couple of Judy Kuhn jokes and see where this goes. <laughs> uh, and my capacity to keep up on that is like medium. Yeah. I am medium good at that. Where are you with musical theaters, Dave? We've never I'm talked about this. probably medium-ish musical also. Theaters. Yeah, musical theaters. <laughs> I love the called, musical right? theaters. Uh, I was ra- I, to a Midwestern and, uh, and my parents would take us to New York every year and we'd always go and see a couple shows. My parents are, are from a time when original cast recordings were the thriller right. of the time. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it was West Side Story and Camelot and uh, and things of that nature. And every home had one. West Side Story still has like one of, this is a thing that Dave knows, mm-hmm. has one of the really good record, like, like fastest to gold or something like that. Or no, it's mo- it's it, most weeks on something. It, uh, yeah, it was number one for like a year. Yeah. Or something crazy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like early in the billboard charts or something. Uh, you in know a way that Dave like, has been be going surpassed. back and listening to on Sirius Radio, a Casey Kasem no, station? No, it's on iHeartRadio. Oh, sorry, iHeartRadio. Yeah. The Casey Kasem station, just listening to the old countdowns. Yeah, over and over and Are, over. Okay, here's the thing. Are you out of competitive play when it comes to knowing too much about music? Are you like, yes. there younger men now or do you still feel like you've you've got it in you uh i don't care a a real lot about what's going on on the charts right now Mm -hmm. i try to look but they're chaotic things had used to have a a predictable flow yeah you know what i mean Mm -hmm. you would move up you would move down now it's up and down and things are on you know like the chain smokers are in the top 10 for a year and it's a song that i've never heard before and things are things are our chaos. Do you have a solid stance on what my summer jam should be? Uh, I do. Uh, have you heard Dua Lipa? Have no. You heard the album by Dua Lipa. Okay. okay. Uh, are you on the streaming services? Um, no, kind of. Hmm. That's my best answer. <laughs> uh, like, what's your? Do you like? Pop music. Do you like fun pop music? Yes. Okay. At this point in time, it is that one Demi Lovato song that I assume will be my summer jam. Okay. If there's cool. not something that's better. Okay. Which which one? Cool for the summer. Cool for the summer was the summer jam of last summer. I'm oh. not entirely comfortable. There is the, my phone um, is dead. I forget. Okay. Sorry, not sorry. Sorry, not sorry. I've oh, heard of it. Right, I haven't right, heard right. it. Um, uh, a song called "New Rules" by Dua Lipa is your summer jam. Okay. Yeah, it's fantastic. We'll see. Yep. We will, won't we? We we talked about this uh, when Elliot Laser was on. My summer jam is um, "The Right Kind of Love" by Jeremy Jordan from the Beverly Hills 90210 soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, that Stand really it. takes Still you back. Love it. That makes you want to do it twice today. Reach for some hypercolor. It's so good. The '80s to early '90s knew how to do summer. Like oh, they sure did. They sure did. That was my sweet spot. What the the late '80s, early '90s, the Wilson Phillips, the oh the God. New Kids on the Block, the Debbie Gibson, the Paula Abduls, the yeah. Tiffany's. Yeah. Oh God. Honestly, there. that first uh, Wilson Phillips album is still oh, one. Of, it's still in my top. I five. hear so much of them in 
Heim. Yes. I have to pause every time to make sure I'm saying it right. Uh-huh. Yeah, there's definitely there's definitely Wilson Phillips in yeah. Heim. Uh, do you find that you relate to nostalgia differently because of your homosexuality? Uh, do you need me to unpack that? Yes, please. please. Um, essentially, I feel like I do not have the conventional window of nostalgia that most people do mm-hmm. because during my high school closeted days, I was like, I wasn't having big emotions. I was busy learning and being responsible. Oh, you and know. my um, sort of my nostalgia is more a window of sort of like coming out through like seven or eight years after that. It's uh-huh. like sort of, you know, during those periods when I was, you know, I'm, I'm far more nostalgic for 1998 or 2008 mm-hmm. than I am for, I don't give a shit about anything that happened in 1994. Yeah. I mean, huh. the party girl soundtrack did matter a lot, but that oh, was 95. Sure, yeah. sure. Uh, for me, I was, I was 13 in 1984 and, uh-huh. you know, and the, the, the cliche goes that the greatest music of all time happened when you were 13 years old. Mm-hmm. In my case, it, I mean, it was really true. It was, yeah. the, you know, the last few singles from thriller and uh, 1984 by Van Halen and Cindy Lauper Cindy and Lopper, Purple Rain yeah. and Madonna. And like, mm-hmm. I mean, the, the pop charts were eclectic and they were great. And I was having big emotions. Uh-huh. I actually had a fairly queer high school experience, except without the being out and having sex. And Me dating, too. Yes. You know, like I was, I did, you know, I did my drama here and there. I was pretty clearly you know, the queer kid or one of them mm-hmm. in my class. Also Catholicism. Also, also Catholicism for yes. sure. Almost said also Catholicism, which <laughs> would have just have been a little too on the nose. But yeah, but the, the yeah, I was very. Uh, there was a lot of emotional churn in that time. So I I look back, I look back on it fondly. Uh, I listen to it and I get the same feelings. I have a different perspective on it now in 2017 because I need it. Okay, you know what I mean? Like I need to go back. I need emotionally to go back to that time because 2017 is a little bit of a bummer. Well, this is an opportunity to segue into guys' love yeah, and let's dive sex in. and dating and um, all that good stuff. Yeah. Well, yeah, Guy Branham. What would you like to know? Uh, what, what, is your, what is your dating life? What's your dating status? Um, I am – I don't do – I don't really have sort of like emotional relationships with the people that I have sex with. Okay. Um, and as time goes on, I question that. Um, but I have a couple of people who I hook up with regularly. Uh-huh. Um, I had a very close friend who was sort of like the person who I like told, you know, I told my day about and mm-hmm. we were like that sort of thing. But he recently moved back to Missouri. And so we are not as close as we once were. So that's a little bit weird. But I've like never had a boyfriend in the conventional sense. Uh-huh. I mean, I, I've had a period, a couple of periods of time when like I was having sex with one person primarily, mm-hmm. but the likelihood that somebody is let me finding reciprocal sexual attraction with someone who is also somebody who I find deeply interesting and compelling has never really happened before. Uh-huh. Uh, and it is always just that thing of like, um, did I get broken by not realizing I could have these things in the same place until too late? You know? Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, we do. We do come to that realization later than the general public. Yeah. And, and frequently our first sexual experiences are furtive in a way. And yeah. you have to be like sort of sliced off and pushed out from your natural, the rest of your life. Well, one thing that's interesting is uh, the loss of my virginity is sort of like one of the few nice stories I have. Um, I was in Minnesota. I was going to law school and I had um, come out and I was 
too many emotions. It was too much. And I was like going online and trying to figure out how things worked there. And then one day this guy just started like really aggressively saying, Hey, let's mess around. I'm a virgin too, blah, blah, blah. The thing is he was, I was 24 at the time and he was 17. And like one time I was telling, um, Paul Gil Martin on, we were doing like a live mental illness happy hour mm-hmm. in Berkeley. Uh-huh. And I told that story and like a woman hissed because it was a 17, because Jimmy was 17 at the well, time. A, it was Berkeley. <laughs> and yeah. B, he yeah. was 17. Well, also like in Minnesota in, uh, there was 2000 in Minnesota in 2000, uh, the age of consent was 16, but sodomy was still illegal. Oh. Um, so it was just illegal because we were two men, not uh-huh. because he was young. But also, like, we don't get to have normal structures. We don't no. get to no. go to a high school full of people who we might, like, fall in love with and stuff like that. Like, they build a system where we're not allowed to have access to these things, and then still you're going to get pissy with me because it didn't look like perfectly put together. And yeah. I do have kind of a chip on my shoulder about that stuff because there are, there are always those stories of like two, two cheerleaders are hooking in Florida. There were two cheerleaders who were hooking up. One of them was 18 and one of them was 14. And like the 18 year old got convicted of statutory rape. And it's like our, our relationship because of the way things are built, our relationships are not necessarily going to look the same. And he, it really is in, in a life of sort of like furtiveness and fear around sexuality. Like Jimmy's the like one sort of like nice, sweet thing I have. And uh-huh. when people are very ready to tell me what's wrong with that, uh, I, my response is very much a fuck you, buddy. Yeah. yeah as it should be, you, as it should be because a 17 year old, uh, especially when, when you factor coming out into it, can be light years ahead of a 24-year-old or a 30-year-old in emotional maturity. And the thing is, as time has go, gone on, I realize more and more like, you know, we we were approaching it in different ways. And, you know, that's not something a, a person should do. I didn't know that at that point in time because nobody had like prepared me for sexuality in any way. Like they were just like very – comfortable with me being nicely asexual. Mm -hmm. But I mean, the other thing is, is like, I am a like creepily gigantic fat guy. And like, my no, 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 it's no, it's part of who I am. And that's okay. But the thing is, is like most of the people I meet, I end up meeting online because likelihood that I like go to a bar and just somebody is like, Oh, Hey, it's been better since, uh, I've been, you know, I've now been on television for a while. God knows Chelsea lately was the best. Like the thing is, is like the jobs that I have now are lovely and I have nice, interesting fans and everything. But, uh, Chelsea lately was sure was watched by dumb, hot gay guys. Uh And so that was a really wonderful period of time. Mm -hmm. That was a great deal of joy for me. Oh, so did you, did you take advantage? Yes. And it was super fun. But Get I think it. one of the things that one of the reasons I was like left was because I was a little bit like, well, guy, if you have hot and cold running hot, dumb guys, uh-huh. like you're not necessarily ever going to like figure more out either creatively or sort of like yeah. personally. Uh-huh. Um, and that's hard because there were some very much like <laughs> – he was one very nice boy. He was a jet pilot. He was like a handsome jet pilot. Come on. Do, who am I to think that I deserve more than a handsome jet pilot? Yeah, get uh, it. And he was uh, 
very nice, but also I felt more alone with him than I did on my own. I don't, it's hard for me to tell whether I am somebody who would have just been, you know, a bachelor if I weren't gay, you know, like whether it was, I just became, um, inured to like, is that the right use of the word? Just sort of like used to being alone. Mm -hmm. And then that was comfortable for me, but also I got to get my shit taken care of. Uh, or if it was sort of a thing of like, this is just who I am. Right. I mean, I, dumb seems like something you, 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 you couldn't do. Right. I can't see you with a dumb person. Some of us. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, but but I do I, I I think you should have that moment, especially if you're like if you're in, in the first flush of television fame, yeah. take advantage of it. Yes. Why not? Oh, absolutely. You missed out on uh, on you know the high school years, the formative years. Right. Get them while you can. Um, it's super fun, but uh, yeah, I don't know what I'm looking for, mm-hmm. and time keeps a moving. And these guys, by the way, when you 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 talked earlier about worrying that it was too late, I mean that's absurd. I don't know what you're. But it's also that weird thing of like I worried that it was too late when I was 23. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's I always going to feel. Strange. Yeah, there's always that that sort of like brokenness and and that fear of one's brokenness yeah. Yeah. is a thing that's there. But like, I try to have a good time and not put too much pressure on myself. One thing. So, okay. On my TV show, talk show, the game show, mm-hmm. the guy who's the lead judge is named Casey Schreiner. And mm-hmm. he is also a gay guy. And I knew him when he was still closeted, when we worked at G4 together. And he like came out, of, he came out of the closet in like his twenties. And then he went on two dates and then was in a relationship with the second guy for four years. And then they broke up and he went on another date. And then he has been with that guy for seven years. Uh And it's that thing of like, it's both the thing of like, Casey is like nice, responsible, German Catholic kind of guy who wants to like, for whom that just makes sense and works. And I'm so envious of that. And fuck that dude. But also like... (laughs) I'm just not that person. I always do have to wonder with sort of um, (laughs) with people who I am in emotional relationships with, do I not have the patience for other people's annoyingness that it takes to be in a relationship? It's like when there's this thing of I'm like this person, I don't know if I can deal with them anymore. Like do other people just sort of like get through it or have productive fights or what? I'm always just like, ooh, get me away from this. Yeah. The guys that you that are, are kind of regular hookups for you now. Yes. What's the story with them? Like, are, are these just guys you met online and it works? And yeah, I mean, it's like they want to have sex with me. I want to have sex with them, mm-hmm. but I don't necessarily. Why should they meet my coworkers? You know, yeah. they're not people who I think would contribute a lot to a dinner party. Uh-huh. Um, and when I find that nexus. That will be lovely. Yeah. We'll see how that works out. But it generally has been that the people I find who I have my closest relationships with have been gay guys who I wasn't attracted to and they weren't attracted to me or the ladies. Uh-huh. Okay. So do you feel like you're holding yourself back from a deeper emotional connection with people you're attracted to? Yes. Okay. Um, I think that um, I – Early on, just hit a point of, like, kind of f- fear that that might 
fuck up getting to know an awesome person right. and so do a good job of shutting down any possibility of that with mm-hmm. an awesome person because I do just like my starting out point is they're probably not into this, you know, unless it's somebody and it's like the great thing and terrible thing about the, the crutch of coming of age and homosexuality after the advent of the internet of like, when I have sex with someone, like it's all just out on the table and we all know what's going on. And like they're into me and I'm into them is like explicitly stated. And you also can do things of, just being like, all right, I'm done now, or you don't look like your photo, bye. And, uh-huh. you know, uh-huh. like, there is more sort of, like, directness there. And, uh, you know, it's like straight people love their unspoken artistry and all of that, but that also leads to a lot of miscommunication and sexual yeah. assault. Yeah. Um, so I, I think so. I, you know, I try to do hard things. I try to do hard things and be brave. Um, I don't know that I am the best at it. Like this is an area where I am, where I'm not the the best at it of the things that I do. Um, but it's also like, I got a lot of shit going on yeah, and I've sure. sort of never had that in my life up until this point and I'm doing all right. And I do like, I'm curious about it and it's always lovely. Like, when I see you and Bennett something, it's like, right. like what a nice operation. What a nice operation. Like, what a nice number of overlaps and in interests and, like, uh-huh. not overlaps and in interests and, and stuff like that. Right. And, Matt, when I meet your gentleman, yes. I'm sure I will have a lot of opinions about him. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know that I have been the most sort of, like, aggressive in the past couple of years. I mean, like... 2010, 2011, I I had this, like, hardcore, deep, deep, like, mind-numbing crush on this boy who did not like me back. And we were, like, friends, and he was terrible to me, and it was magnificent. And, like, you know, that's that thing that's, like, wonderful and terrible all at the same time. And I, like, fear that and hunger for that all at the same time. And was he dangling possibility for, for you know enough to keep you oh yes uh he toyed with me real good and that was great oh. yeah you know have you had yeah. one of those i for sure have i i no i don't no. think so okay no. yeah i mean I, I i had a boyfriend who essentially did that to me but we were in a relationship uh-huh. uh, it was yeah. very strange yeah but yeah yeah, I had, a, I had a, like in my first years in LA, I had a good friend who was like very conventionally attractive and did extremely well, and, sh- and a little shameless, mm-hmm. like, and so would just like cleaned up, mm-hmm. you know, would hook up all the time, and and like, and we there was always that possibility that we might sort of hook up, and it just sort of kept me uh, ultimately lovely guy, but we're not compatible. It was just you know, it was it was my not getting that made me want, yeah, more than the actual person himself. There's nothing better than seeing somebody who really, truly captivated your emotions and your sexual desires, like, lessened by time. Uh Like, there's nothing better than them just being – or lessened by time or we live in Los Angeles – Failure of an acting career. Yeah. Like either, yeah. you know, yeah. when they're just like in Whole Foods and a little bit sad and uh-huh. it's like, oh, you were a titan and a god once. Yeah, um, yeah. It's yeah. fun to see you here. Yeah. yeah. Well, this dude's so like attractive. It's just, you know, over time you become wiser and you know what it is that kept you and on the string. I 
like I do worry about like time, like time goes on and like I am not as susceptible to my emotions uh-huh. as I once was. And it's like, ah, oh, Branham, are you know, are you are you losing it? These like skills and powers you once had to truly hurt yourself. Like, why aren't you in touch with them? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, I miss a, I miss a, a hurtful crush. I mean, there's something they fill a need. They really do. They're uh, they're they're like cutting. Oh, they, you know, but uh, but they also get exhausting. And absolutely, I think that's probably almost really from it. the beginning. Almost yeah. from the beginning, it's like I would like to hand the entire capacity that I have for happiness over to an entitled asshole. Uh-huh. It's like five, yeah. six. Um, <laughs> and like, you know, there's like the one time he's nice, it's magnificent. And then the rest of it is just, you know, misery, but like, you know, to some extent, productive misery. Um, but, but I just like, I feel like I got to the game of a relationship was a thing that I could have so late in this entire process. Like I was just, Will I ever be able to touch a boy that who I think is pretty? Yeah, like came so, relatively so late that like getting to like and we have like a small wine refrigerator and we both you know we like going yeah, up yeah. to you know get some things to put in there like you know not not necessarily something that I thought about. It's also the thing of like like stand up is not a particularly like gay male area like they're they're so it like the periods of time when i was having to sort of like build and create my stand-up career had like i i started my stand-up career in san francisco um and i essentially had no gay life there that wasn't just sort of like solo cruising or internet cruising. Like the entire time I was there, it was just like showing up to a Victorian. So a meth head and I could blow each other. Uh Um, and it wasn't until like I got here and my career was sort of more stable that I got like, um, a social life that was, um, better. But then a couple of times I went to New York for jobs and then I came back and everybody was like in these very domestic couples where we were earlier talking about the fact that I hate people talking about their dogs. Like I showed up to this one party, my wonderful friends who were horrible, slutty people and made awful choices and were great. Like I showed up to a party and they were just all discussing their dogs Mm. and it was miserable. I'm sorry about that. Uh huh. Sorry about that. What physically is your type? When you're, when you're, when you're, when you're grinding, when you're scruffing. When I you're... try to like as many things as possible. Uh-huh. Um, I have like several jokes about this, but essentially like, um, I, I'm not for most people. Um, so I try to enjoy the, what is presented to, uh-huh. to me. Uh-huh. Um, I am always going to spend my budget on body over face. Uh-huh. Mm. Oh, hey, if you like leave the poetry for other people, I just need to like solidly feel some, some masculinity and okay. you know, I like, uh, what does that mean? I like muscly guys. Uh-huh. Uh, I need to know that somebody will not break during the course of me having sex with them. So I need okay. them to be solid. Uh, Jim, the young man to whom I lost my virginity, was like five seven, but like played hockey and was like solid and, and that sort of thing. Sure. Um, what else do I like? Give me, give me a, give me a celebrity. Give me a. Oh. Give me, give me a. Uh, like, who are we talking about here? Yeah. 
Dwayne The Rock Johnson is great. Um, Henry Cavill is very, very solid. Oh, wow. Um, what's, what are, very solid. What are more... What are more affordable, fucked-up face versions of what we're talking about here? Um, yeah, I mean, like, I pretty much, like, if we were at the beginning of a role-playing game uh-huh. specking out our characters and I was trying to build someone to have sex with, yeah. I would put as many points into, like, uh, into it as I could as, with, like, muscly, uh-huh. uh, and that would probably be what I cared about. Okay. Yes. So, like... A little, a little awkward, but surprisingly solid. Yes, uh, uh, an early David Schwimmer, perhaps. I don't wow. know about that. I, when was he muscly? All through Friends. Look I never, closely. No. I never paid yes, attention. Stay firm, muscly. He was pretty muscly. Wow. I mean, he wasn't like he wasn't, you know, Chelsea boy muscle bound, but he was he was bigger than you would think. Um, Every now and then, you, know, you see him in a sweater, and you're Rachel. like, oh, you know, of course, obviously. Uh, yeah, an element of roidiness will always work for me. Interesting. Um, like. Personality-wise, I don't know. Like, I have before joked I always feel more comfortable having sex with someone when it feels like they're getting course credit for it. Uh-huh. Um, like, I sign something at the end, and uh-huh. they've learned along the way. Uh-huh. So I, I do think I can be more comfortable with guys who are younger than I am. But I think part of that is me feeling like if you're my age and reasonably attractive, like, you can do better than me. Like, what do you have? Like, what's your interest if you're not sort of like – learning about the world from me. Hmm. You have, uh, you, there, I'm not going to say you have self-esteem issues, but your self-esteem weaves itself oh, into yeah. your... really, Dave? Yeah. I have self-esteem issues? <laughs> That's so shocking. Look, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm not going to pretend that it's not true. And the thing is, is like, not all, like, we're not all perfect and we're not all normal and I'm amazing at so many things. And I think one thing that's interesting is uh, I, before I came out, I thought it would be much easier for me to get a boyfriend than Uh someone to like mess around with because it's like, I'm great to be around. (laughs) Like I'm super fun. Yeah. Um, But I didn't feel physically attractive and that the, that the reverse was true was sort of surprising to me. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know. That's what's interesting about it is that it's like the the sex, the physical stuff is not an issue. And well, you still are a great person to be around. I think I ran, so, I ran headlong at figuring that out, yeah. like very hard during my f- my formative years of coming out of the closet because I thought it would never happen. And the other stuff, I like didn't put that that much attention to it. But like, look, somebody magnificent wants to show up. Good. I'm uh-huh. here. I'm ready for it. That's uh-huh. the right attitude. Uh, exactly right. We welcome. But, but like, um, you know, I also have to like play the game day to day. Sure. And I, like, I am, I am not necessarily putting myself out there for it in that way. Um, I can be single minded in my obsession with my business and my art and my career. Right. Um, but that's just because that goes okay. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Also in the long run, people will like me more for being famous. (laughs) Well, I mean, that's going to be true of all of us. And I think that's the ultimate message of our show. It's absolutely true. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, there's no way that, that self-esteem issues won't affect our dating lives and our and our you oh, know yeah. our approach at relationships because at all stages we at all stages because we grew up 
you know, our, our need for love is a thing that we were taught to feel strange about and right. to feel bad about. Yeah. And it's uh, what is surprising to me as we age is how little compassion we have for each other in that department. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Yeah. And for like, ourselves. And for ourselves. It's, it, you know, people say things like self-loathing or whatever as an insult to people. But it's like if you grow up and you're paying attention and you're trying to be a good boy or girl or whatever, you're going to have some of that. Yeah. Like everybody does. So why aren't we – why aren't we using why – aren't, why aren't we more compassionate to each other about for, that? For gay men, particularly white gay men, I feel so much of it comes down to being able to provide the semblance of plausibly fine uh-huh. throughout your entire life. You're right. always able to sort of like – if you just take all of those things and you put them deep down inside, no one will notice. And like if you get everything waxed, people will think you're cool. So why right. on earth would you ever admit to having yeah. problems? And it's why we we want all of our emotions filtered through a lady because mm-hmm. that's a mirror safe. that is safe. It's distanced enough to be safe. And it's kind of why we don't have – gay stand-up comics who are particularly successful is because we don't know how to deal with like that chaos raining down from somebody who is, you know, as, as close as another gay man. Uh-huh. Yeah, it is. It is. But so- gay guys are getting way better. I do think we're getting way better. I think, I think that's true. I think mean, that's true. I, th- I feel like in the past five to 10 years, I mean, you can speak to this much better than I can, of course, but I are feel like we're old. Uh, no, no, I'm but calling you a successful comedian, <laughs> I'm joking. but because uh, in the, in the gay male comedy world, especially, it feels like we are where sort of women in comedy were 10, 15 years ago in terms of like, um, putting, uh, a sense of competitiveness behind us, but becoming more inclusive. Uh-huh. You know, well, and- it's, it's very interesting. I, I am sort of like one of the few, stand-up comics, gay male stand-up comics has been around enough to go from the days of like every gay male hating every other gay male stand-up yeah. comic and being super, super territorial and sort of the worst to each other um, to like people being supportive of each other and liking each other. And the thing is, it's like, I love, you know, I-, I like living in a world where I get to see what Joel Kim Booster and John Early are doing. But like, I also remember the mean man in San Francisco who was scared that if there was another gay comic, it would only mean bad for him. And the thing yeah. is, is I can't blame him because it was a different, harder world. Yeah. Uh-huh. And like someone as fa- like someone as talented as Scott Capurro is, should have been famous. And he never, he got to be famous in England, mm-hmm. but he never got to be famous here because there was just no space for him. Mm-hmm. And, like that is an interesting thing with us as a community is having to manage the like chip on the shoulder that everybody is allowed to have, yeah. you know? Cause yeah. like we all went through some shit and you are always so aware of your own pain and anguish. And it is so easy when some boy has turned himself into like a magnificent specimen of homosexuality to think, Oh, that privileged fucker. Who does he think he is? And it's like, Something horrible happened to him. Yeah, or, yeah. Yeah, or something's going to. Uh, but like with with us versus female stand-up comics, there is the interesting dynamic of like the ones like so many of them became successful and then came out of the closet. And like the successful like the closeted successful gay men are never going to come out of the closet. So it really yeah. has had to be sort of people fighting their own way up. And there also isn't the 
the same path of mentorship Mm -hmm. because it's like, who's going to be mentoring you? And I feel so self-conscious about the extent to which my career has been helped by ladies who could have been helping other ladies, but who were nice enough to be helpful to me. And it is like every, like (laughs) yesterday, Mindy Kaling tweeted out like, where is my guy Branham Netflix comedy special, which is like the kindest thing. And it's like, but that reminder of God damn it, Branham, you better be taking care of women of color because they took care of you. Uh-huh. I also love that you uh, refer to yourself in the third person and only by your last name, <laughs> like a, like an angry football coach. I love it. You can listen to it all day, guy. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. What a pleasure. I feel like your uh, your DMs are going to blow up. With, yep. Uh, some requests. I think they will. We'll see. Keep us posted. Take pictures. Guy, I mean, not of the thing, but just you know when you you know you're, why. Why not, Dave? Why not? Let's be comfortable with our bodies. You're right. You're right. right. Guy Branham. I'm rattled. I tell you. I mean, in the best way. As as a longtime fan of guys, this is our first time really meeting, but uh, this is what I wanted to know, is is what's going on in there? Mm -hmm. What's going on in the love life? We got in there. He's a beautiful man. He really is. Yeah. A treasure. Uh, if you have issues, if you have things that you would like uh, our help with, call us. Call us, please. That number? It's 424-248-8978. If you didn't get it, don't even trip because we'll put it on uh, our Twitter, at homophiliapod. That's right. Uh, call us up. Let us, uh, let, us get in, uh, let us get under the hood and fix you. We were, by the way, we were trying to find, uh, figure out uh, a, um, what's it called when you assign letters to the numbers? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, like I, a, I'm sure there's a name. You but. know, where, where, where our, our number would be, like 424 Homopod. It's, right. it's not that. But no. if you can look at those numbers and come up with something spellable uh-huh. that's, that works for those numbers, yeah. then. Um, My college phone number was scumbag. Wow. Actually, it was. <laughs> it really was. I found that out and I was like, I don't know how I feel about it. It's time to change it. Yeah. Anyway, guys, thank you, thank to you, Tom so Anderson and Chris Bannon and Dana uh, Wickens, Wickens, everybody at Earwolf. Thank you, Ben Wise, for the beautiful music. Uh-huh. Thank you for Deanna Chang. Thank you, Deanna Chang and Casey and, Wilson and, and, and Daniel Schneider. Yeah, for for making this whole thing happen. And uh, thank you, Dave Holmes. Uh, thank you, Abba, for the for uh, for a, a, a career of wonderful music. All of it. This is Jess McKenna. And I'm Zach Reno. And we're the host of a new podcast right here at Earwolf called Off Book, Book, the the improvised musical podcast. Podcast. It's a podcast, but it's also an improvised musical where we get a guest and we talk to them and then Scott Passarell starts playing and then we black out for a second when we come to, we've created a brand new musical. Yeah. People are saying it's better than the Beatles. You can say that, too. If you listen uh, to our first episode with Paul F. Tompkins or our second episode with Mary Holland, we got some great guests lined up. So, guys, rate, review, and you got to subscribe on that Apple podcast, baby. Or wherever you listen to your podcast. We'd like it so much. Just so much. This has been an Earwolf production. Executive produced by Scott Ackerman, Chris Bannon, and Colin Anderson. For more information and content, visit Earwolf.com. 
Hey, this is Arnie Niekamp from the Improv Fantasy Podcast, Hello from the Magic Tavern. I fell through a dimensional portal behind a Burger King in Chicago into the magical land of Foon, and I started a podcast. Season 3 has just begun with a brand new adventure to defeat the Dark Lord. If you're a new listener or you've fallen behind, Season 3 is a great jumping on point. And we've got great guests like Justin McElroy. I sound like a fancy college professor. Eight nuts. <laughs> Rachel Bloom. You all see my collection of men corpses and one woman. Felicia Day and Colton Dunn. You've seen me have intercourse with a variety of species. It's a bummer. Andy Daly. You have the members of Genesis listed, but Phil Collins has crossed out and then circled and crossed out again. Uh, Yes, I have killed Phil Collins twice. Thomas Middleditch. (laughs) Jesus. I mean, Jazos. (laughs) Ruler of the Eighth Circle. And that's just the beginning. Season three of Hello from the Magic Tavern is out now. Listen in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.